It's always great to see you out there. Thanks for being here. Thanks for making this a priority on your Sabbath. I got the craziest and most uh, delightful email this last week. Um, You should know that back in the 70s, I have my black belt in karate. You probably know that. And back in the 70s, I taught taught that, uh, taught a group of kids uh, karate. And uh, and so this last week, one one of those kids was a a kid named Steve. And uh, last week, I got an email from Steve, who is now 56 years old. That is really sucks, I got to tell (laughs) you. But Steve had somehow tracked me down, and he sent me a note reminiscing about uh, this class that I taught these kids way back when. I, I got a quote. He said, I, I never forgot those rough and tumble days in your class. It was quite a brutal experience. I don't remember it being brutal. But, uh, you were not easy on us, but I suppose that was part of the lesson. And then he went on uh, in a quite a lengthy way describing all of the crazy things that he it remembers me making them do. I, I, did, I didn't remember half of those crazy things, but apparently they've been permanently embedded in his memory. And he uh, thanked me for the influence on his life. And then he closed with these uh, words. He said, I just wanted to tell you, those days were not forgotten. And I, I cannot tell you what a, a delight it was to hear this voice from 50 years past. Uh, For the rest of the week, as I walked around, when I thought of that email, I just kind of smiled to think that someone would take the trouble to remember something that mattered to him all those many, many, many decades ago. You know, my wife Cindy tells me that I can often be so focused on where we're going. I mean, that's why you hire me, for one thing, is, you know, what's next? So I can get so focused on the future. What is next? What are our plans? That she says that you get so focused on going forward that you, you forget to stop once in a while and just look back and remember what God has done. You, you guys don't, and she tells us, I'll hold the pastoral team, you don't celebrate enough what God has done. You don't remember well enough what God has done. Uh, it's, a, it's a good admonition for me, and uh, Joshua learned that lesson himself. You'll remember that Joshua was Moses' number two. And uh, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness under Moses' leadership, the time came for them to cross over the Jordan and into the Promised Land, and it was Joshua who was going to lead the way because Moses remained behind. He died on Mount Nebo. And they made their way into the Promised Land in a pretty spectacular fashion. I'm sure many of you remember that. The story comes to us out of Joshua chapter 3 and chapter, chapter 4. What happened was the priests took up the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. You'll remember the Ark of the Covenant was kind of like a gold treasure chest. Inside were mementos of their, their journeys together, and it was, a, it was a reminder, a physical reminder of the presence of God. So the priests took the ark up on their shoulders, and we are told as they were getting ready to cross over the Jordan, they stepped into the river. Remember what happened? And immediately the waters parted. Just like they had done 40 years ago when they stepped into the Red Sea. The waters parted on either side of them. And so as the priests stood there with that golden ark on their shoulders, the people of Israel crossed over on dry land into Canaan. I want you to listen to what happened next. It comes out of Joshua 4, selected verses. When all the nations had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take 
12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. And Joshua set up 12 stones at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, What do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did into the Red Sea, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. This is the word of the Lord. So Holy Spirit, meet us now in your word as we remember together the goodness of God. We thank you for this opportunity and we pray it will, it will sear our hearts in a, a, an unchanging, unchangeable way. Amen. How many of you recognize this cornerstone? Where is it? Point. Yeah, it's right over there. You're giving me the thumb. Use your, use your finger. That feels ner- very, very nervous to me. Use out of here. Yeah, it's right over there. And you'll see it as you walk up from the, the parking lot. This is the cornerstone that's on the outside of our sanctuary. And what it says is, when your children say, ask you, say to them, these stones shall be to the Lord a memorial forever. Joshua chapter 4. And it was sealed on the date that we opened this building, 1997, November 23, 1997. How many were here that day? Wow, still a bunch of you. Well, then you all remember what it was like to watch as those building blocks began to grow up to form the walls of this building. You remember those days? We'd drive by and we see more and more progress, more and more progress. But for those of us who were there, who sacrificed, who dreamed of this facility in which we could worship God... It was more than building material that we saw piled one on top of another. We really did consider these building blocks to be memorial stones. Stones that would tell the story of what God had done in that moment long after we were gone. Already, and we think with sadness of those who were there who made that day happen, who were key players in that, and they've already gone to be with the Lord. Not sad for them, sad for, sad for us perhaps. We already remember that. And the, the rest of us will one day be gone. But we wanted this place to be a testimony to what God had accomplished. That God had grown this tiny little community of faith into something more significant. That he had given us a building large enough for us to meet not only our needs, but the needs of this, of this community. And more importantly, that we had built a building that we wanted to be given to the glory of God. That it would be erected in the honor of the Lord who saved us and called us to be his own. We wanted people to drive by, whether they were utterly irreligious or devoted followers of Christ. We wanted them to look up on that hill and see that chapel and be reminded that those people love God and believe in God. They did this thing to memorialize their love for God. So we chose for our cornerstone that passage from Joshua 4 that you see on the screen before you. And it reminds us of the time that even as the people were getting ready, finally, to cross into the promised land, God said, nope, I want you to pause one more moment. Because I want you, before you move into my future, to remember what I've been to you in your past. I want you to remember all that we have done to bring you to this place. And never forget it. 
And so they look backward for a moment. This is, believe it or not, the last day of our program year. This is the last day of our fiscal year. Tomorrow, we launch 2020, program year 2020 at Chapel Hill. So before we do, I want to be receive the admonition of my wife and of Joshua to just for a moment to take one last backward glance at the amazing things that God has done, particularly in this last year. This has been a year of remarkable growth in our church. And I don't know if you're aware of that. In some cases, it has been record-setting growth. And it deserves to be remembered. So we're going to remember, before we leap into our future, we're going to take one time, one more time, to pause and to remember. And I'm going to build up my own little cairn of remembrance stones. Remember what they they called it? There's a name from Stones of Memory. You might remember Ebenezer, yes, here I raise my Ebenezer. So here are my Ebenezers. Before I do this, actually, I want to do this. If you were to look back over this last year, what are the moments that you would remember as being significant? What are the things that you think deserve to be remembered and, and thanked, God thanked for in this last year? Turn next to each other, talk to someone just for a little bit and see if you can remember. What happened in this last year that is, deserves to be remembered? Go ahead, talk among yourselves. All right. You know, I think about you guys talking among yourselves and reeling you back in is always a challenge. Uh, in your loudest outdoor voice, just call out. I want to hear. What are the things that deserve to be remembered in your mind from this last year? Alpha? Monday, Thursday? Expansion? Germany? The missions? Grandkids. <laughs> we had nothing to do with that. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> Life groups. All right, I want to share with you. Thank you. I'm glad you have memories. Here, I want to share, I want to share my five memorial stones. And if we get lucky, we won't tip them over. All right? So here's stone number one. I'm going to say stone number one, celebrate recovery. This last year has been a remarkable year for Celebrate Recovery. Now, if you're new to our church, you may not understand what that means. CR is a ministry that meets on Wednesday nights. And, in, and the, the purpose of that ministry is to encourage people to get honest about the hurts and habits and hang-ups in their life that keep them from living the life that God created them to live. And you have heard some amazing witnesses, some amazing testimonies from from this pulpit, from this platform, about the difference, how God has used CR to transform lives. Given that it would be perhaps surprising to you to discover that Chapel Hill is one of the few churches in our denomination that actually has Celebrate Recovery. But this last year for us, it has, it has been really significant. And I want to use it as an opportunity to shout out Pastor Bill's ministry. Next week, we're going to celebrate him. But under the leadership of Pastor Bill in these last few years, Celebrate Recovery has risen to new heights. And this last year, particularly, we have come alongside those who are lost and those who are brokenhearted, those who, who are discouraged. And God is using CR to transform and redeem people, to give them hope and joy and purpose like they have never known or haven't known in a long time. In this last year, CR has grown by an average of 22% a week. That's a lot. Some weeks, it was twice the size. And so that deserves to be remembered. So I'm glad, 
I'm glad you're in a clappy mood. Uh, I can always count on you guys to be clappy. That's awesome. Um, here's re- remembered stone number two from this last year. Baptisms. Baptisms. This was a year of baptism. Last year we did something that might make some of our Presbyterian foreparents spin in their graves. We brought a dunk tank into the sanctuary. Remember that? Horror of horrors, we brought a dunk tank into the sanctuary. It's not because we don't think that the amount of water is what does the trick. It's not that we don't think that those of you who got sprinkled, we're going to have to redo the thing. You know, we're your full service baptizers. We'll dunk you, we'll sprinkle you, you know, dry cleaning, whatever, we'll do it. But because, but we did it because we believe that for some, the opportunity to experience what Paul talked about when he said that we are buried with Christ and then raised up again to new life. We thought doing that in a, in a uh, pool, baptismal pool, might be significant. So on Christmas Eve, 4,000 people here, we said, hey, if you'd like to come back and be baptized, please do. I still remember my surprise when I showed up the following Saturday night. There were five men standing in the, in the prayer chapel, and I thought, uh, hi, what do you want? They said, we want to be baptized. I guess they took me seriously, and we turned it on. So we did that. On Easter, we did something even crazier, if you recall. We proclaimed the risen Christ, as we always do. But then at the end of that sermon, with 3,000 people in attendance, we said, okay, how many want to follow this risen Christ? You remember? And people raised their hands to receive Christ. And we said, would you like to come back next week then and be baptized into this faith that you have just claimed? So the bottom line is in this last year, we had... 80 adult professions of faith in Christ. We had almost 50 adult baptisms. That is worth celebrating. We're even considering, now brace yourself, buying our own baptismal pool instead of borrowing it from the Nazarenes down the street. But the Nazarenes are meeting in our old building, so it seems only fair that we borrow it. So anyway, 2019 was a year of baptism, something to be remembered. Here's item number three. Some of you called it out. Alpha. Alpha. Two years ago, we decided to join the 27 million people around the world who are experiencing Alpha. And if you haven't attended yet, Alpha provides an opportunity for people to ask all of the questions that they've wanted to ask and didn't know how. We're afraid to to ask. We're embarrassed to ask. So you come in and you have a meal with uh, a group that you get to know and you watch a great video and then you have an opportunity to discuss the video uh, under the guidance of a a leader uh, at that table. And in this last year, we had 350 people that participated in Alpha. We've had people who've come to Christ. We've had many more who had a renewed experience of the Holy Spirit at the Holy Spirit weekend. 350 people. Add to that the previous graduates. We have had 600 people in our church go through Alpha, nearly half of our worshiping community on a, on a Sunday morning. That is a remarkable thing. We view Alpha as going to be one of the key ways that we lead people to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 600 souls. That is a good thing. Now what we're waiting for is that more and more of those 600 who came and got a taste of it will do what we really need, which is they'll go to their neighbor, they'll go to their friend, to their unchurched and dechurched relationship and said, would you come with me? That's the next step, Alphaites. Not just graduating, but bringing your friends back and doing it again. That's our dream. That's what we experienced in this last year in a powerful way. And so that becomes stone number three, memorial stone number three for me, Alpha. Baby, 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 baby. 
All right, stone number two. Uh, you're you're going to kick yourself because I didn't hear this one called out. Chapel Hill Port Orchard. Right? This is the year that we announced a new church. 2019 was the year that we announced that we're going to launch our, our first church plant. And we say first because we believe it's the first of many, not one off. You've heard a lot about it. You heard it from Megan. You heard it from me. You heard it from together. But we cannot emphasize how important this moment is in the life of our church. Across this country, less than 1% of the congregations in this country are, play, uh, play any part in planting another church. That's really disturbing given the statistics. We are told that at the present rate of church closures in the United States, we need to increase by 10% the number of church plants every single year just to keep up with the number of churches that are closing their doors. We want to do our part. And we think this is something that God is calling us to in this year. We kicked it off. We're convinced that Port Orchard is the place to go. We're convinced that Pastor Megan is the woman to lead the charge. And by the way, did you realize that that will mean that Pastor Megan will be the first woman lead pastor church planter in our denomination? Already we have had two Port Orchard Alphas. Right now we have a youth alpha that's meeting in a local uh, coffee shop. We had a public gathering of worship. 150 people showed up to pray and to sing for the, for the unity and for revival in, uh, in that community. We have a team that's looking for a building in which to worship. And we expect to give birth to our first brand new bouncing baby church next Easter 2020 in Port Orchard. And so that deserves to be remembered and celebrated. <laughs> One more. I'm glad I don't have ten remembrances. I do, but we're not going to talk about them. Here's the, here's the fifth one. Again, one that I didn't hear from you, but one that's quite significant. Worship, attendance, growth. You may not know this, but Chapel Hill has been in an almost uninterrupted decline in worship attendance, weekend worship attendance, for more than 10 years. We are fighting headwinds culturally because the definition of what it means to be active in church are shifting, and increasingly people feel less and less a need for the church. But this is the, the situation we find ourselves. Churches uh, all across the country are declining. Most of the pastors in my large group, pa- church, uh, large church group, pastor group, most of their churches are in some decline. So we heard that, but it offered no comfort to us, no comfort knowing that, that we ourselves continue to drop uh, in some instances, a couple of years ago, we were down below 1,000 on a weekend. When we were, about 12 years ago, averaging close to 1,700 on a weekend. In conversation with one consultant uh, about this, we were told that for a larger church of our size, with a pastor my age, I hate that, I hate that. <laughs> you mean really young, really vibrant? Years and years left in ministry? Yes, that's what I mean. He said that a reversal of de- in declining worship attendance numbers is almost unheard of. Well, last year then, the unheard of happened because we began t- to grow again. And not just a little. We saw our weekend worship attendance increase on average over the year by more than 20%. Which means we had more than 200 more people on average per weekend attending our worship services compared to a year b- b- ago. 
And by the way, may I say, if you are among those 200, we are so glad to welcome you here. You are the answer to our prayers, and I hope you have found a home here at Chapel Hill. Here's the deal. Growth like that is quite unusual for a large church. In fact, it caught the attention of a national publication. A reporter called me two weeks ago, to ask what we were doing to cause this turnaround. And I'll share my answer to that question in just a moment. But I just want to pause and say a 20% growth in weekend worship attendance, 200 more people than last year at this time who are coming to worship Jesus. That deserves also to be celebrated and remembered. So... This is a year of growth in CR and in baptisms, in Alpha and church planting, and also a surprising growth in our worship attendance. So how did it happen? That was essentially the question of this reporter. What did you guys do to make this happen? There are all kinds of answers that you could offer. You could say we changed our focus from the insider to the outsider. We started using less churchy language. We preached a series on hospitality. Our people became more intentional in their welcome. We closed the balcony, increased intimacy, increased complaints. (laughs) We improved the sound and light. We redecorated the foyer. We handed out mugs. We called newcomers every week. We offered opportunities for people to receive Jesus. There are all kinds of ways that we could have responded to that question. All of them would be true, and all of them would be idolatrous. Because the growth we experience in CR and in Alpha and in baptisms and church plant and in attendance didn't happen because of what we decided to do. It happened because of what God decided to do. It's not that we haven't been working hard these last 10 or 12 years, but God decided this is the moment I'm going to do a new thing. And so here's how I responded to that reporter. I said, any answer that I give you that doesn't start with this being a movement of the Holy Spirit prompted by a year of preaching on prayer and spiritual warfare would be self-congratulatory and ungrateful. And I could add, dangerous If last year was a year of growth, it is only because God in His grace and in His purposes decided to do a new thing. And is that not exactly what this scripture passage recounts? The people were told to set up stones to memorialize not how good and faithful they had been. They had not been. But how good and faithful God had been despite their inconstancy. It was God who heard the cry of his people in bondage. It was God who called Moses to set his people free. It was God who sent ten plagues to persuade Pharaoh to let them go. It was God who held back the waters of the Red Sea so that his people might escape. And God who caused those same walls of water to collapse upon their enemies that their enemies might be destroyed. It was God who brought manna in the morning that they might eat and bubbled water out of the stone that they might drink. It was God who guided them for their 40 years of wandering. And when the time came for them to cross from their land into the promised land, it was God who one more time separated the waters to remind them of this bookend experience that they were going to walk over on dry land into God's future for them. It was God. It was always God. Despite Moses' insecurity, it was God. Despite 
Pharaoh's brutality, it was God. Despite Aaron's idolatry, it was God. Despite the people's moaning and whining and kvetching, it was God, always God. And so we look back over an astonishing year of growth. The only thing that is right to do is for us to acknowledge that God has done a great thing. And so we give him the glory and the honor and the praise. And to be a part of a congregation at a time like this is exciting, isn't it? It's an extraordinary privilege that God said, I want you to be a part of this. And so I want to do something extraordinary to mark this moment as we bid farewell to our 2019 and get ready for our new year. And I want to do it around the offering. We're going to do something a little different around the offering. You know, every offering is, is a way... It, offerings are not, you know, the cover charge to pay for what's going on up here. Offering is the way that we, we give ourselves to God and we say, I... I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to invest in the work of the kingdom. The, the things that we've accomplished in this last year are possible because many of you are generous and you have supported us. But on this last day of the year, as we're getting ready to go forward, I thought it would be fun to do something a little different. Instead of passing the plate, here's what I want us to do. I would like for you to come forward. If you're unable, of course, remain there and we will come to you. I do realize that many of us give by automatic uh, draft or online and texting and so forth. So I realize you may not have an offering to place in the plate. You might be rushing home to get on your computer this afternoon to finish it. But I'd love for you to come up anyhow in symbol of the fact that you are offering yourself, that you recognize that you are a part of this. And after you've dropped that in and newcomers, after you've dropped your Connect card in, because that's all we want from you, then I want you to reach into those little baskets that you're going to find there. And you'll find some stones, some polished, little polished stones. Some of them large, some of them small. What I would ask you to do is take a stone out of that basket and then hold on to it. And then this is what's going to go really crazy. And this might be my stupid idea, but I'm going to try it. Instead of going back to your seats, I want you to circle around the outside of the sanctuary. And it might mean that you need to circle around a couple of times. But that's all right, because I want to close this service giving you some instructions with you looking into the faces of your brothers and sisters who comprise this sweetheart church. So, if you're able to come, come forward. I, uh, you can go, how, do we, how should we do this? Yes, you guys come and go this way. You guys come and you go that way. And let's make circles around and twice around if we need to. And... It's going to be fun. All right, Lord, we thank you for what we are going to bring to you today. For all that you have given to us is but a gift from... uh, All that we give to you is is but a gift that you have first given to us. So uh, on this day when we conclude this program year and this fiscal year, we thank you for your faithfulness. And I pray for both gift and giver as we come forward presenting ourselves in offering to you for Christ's sake. Amen. Probably just stay right where you are. (laughs) I'm coming around with stones. We'll get stoned together. All right. Here we go. Take a stone and drop your... You got stone? All right. You, You good? Everyone good? If you got a stone, raise your hand. Okay, we're good.
All right, I want you to just turn around now and look at each other. You're always looking at me. I want you to look at the faces of your brothers and sisters who are part of this sweetheart church. That was the idea behind this. <laughs> Seemed great in the, build, in, the, in the room when we planned it. Here's what I want you to do with this stone, okay? I want you to put it in your pocket or into your pocket purse. I want you to keep it with you. I'd like you to keep it with you for 30, 30 days. And every time you touch the stone, every time you see this stone, I want you to say, I remember your faithfulness. Would you say that with me? I remember your faith. Every time you touch the stone, let it be an opportunity for praise, for gratitude to God. And maybe you'll, you'll offer a particular thing for which you are grateful. I remember your faithfulness in this. I remember your faithfulness in that. We are so quick to move ahead, so slow to pause and thank God for all he has done. And this is a way for us in this coming 30 days to live a life of gratitude as we remember the faithfulness of God. So you're going to see that stone. You're going to keep it in your pocket. Every time you touch it, every time you see it, you're going to say to yourself and to the Lord, I remember your faithfulness. Can you do that? One more time. Hold that stone up. I remember your faithfulness. All right.